0: Good morning. Thank you, Tommy's He's a laugh from Canada. Oh, what was that? That just came out. I apologise to everyone for that. Accent. Good morning. Um, Favourite snack on a hot day? Tell me. Ice cream. Lollies. Watermelon. Oh, good shout, watermelon. Does anyone else love an icy slush? Just me. Me and Daniel. Love them. An iced coffee, anyone? Yes. Me too. I could keep going, but I should get on with this preacher at some point. But I'm glad the first answer was ice creams and ice lollies because they will be available at the end of the service once again. So thank you for saying that. If you'd said ice coffees, I couldn't have actually afforded them, so we've gone with ice creams and ice lollies. But before that, I want to share with you for about 20 minutes-ish... Um, from part 11 of our series on how are you feeling, where we are just getting real with our emotions and our feelings. We might at some point finish this series, but let's face it, feelings come, feelings go, and like they, we've got a lot of emotions to talk about. So we are carrying on for now, because I want to talk to you about feeling discouraged. But the word discouraged might not be one that you use all the time. Like, the last time someone said, how are you doing? I, maybe you didn't say, I'm feeling discouraged today. It's an odd word to use, but let me introduce you to the sisters of discouragement, because the sisters of discouragement are disappointed and feeling disheartened. So maybe you've never said, I feel really discouraged today, but maybe you do know what it is to be disappointed about how things have worked out in your life. Or maybe you look around at the state of the world, the way that it's led, or the way that people treat each other, and you know what it feels like to feel disheartened. If you can relate to any of that, you've probably experienced discouragement. And I think that there are a few causes of discouragement, and we're going to talk about two of them today and then one of them next week. I think that two of the main causes of discouragement are unmet expectations and unkind experiences. Unmet expectations and unkind experiences. You see, unmet expectations is where we have this expectation of ourselves. We expect highly of ourselves, but then we just don't match up. Or maybe you've got expectations of other people and what you needed from them and what you wanted from them, but those people just don't deliver. They don't meet your expectations. Or maybe you've got expectations of God and he is just not Come through like you wanted him to. Unmet expectations are these like this gap between reality and expectations. Now, I have been trying to learn a little bit more about myself and my personality recently, um, and I've come to the realization that I am a people pleaser. Self confessed people pleaser, it's just part of my type 9 Enneagram personality where I just want to make people happy all the time. Um, And part of that means that I always want to live up to their expectations, like always. And if I don't, I really, really struggle. So like a few weeks ago, I was out in Manchester with some of my family and we went out for the day. And we really needed to just find a cafe. It was a hot day. It was busy in Manchester. There was a lot going on. And I was with my sisters. We needed to just quickly find a cafe that wasn't far away, wasn't expensive, served tea and coffee. Got the job done. It was all getting a bit stressful, and then I was like, "Oh, let's go to my favourite cafe in Manchester. It's in a theatre because I'm a theatre geek." So I took them there. I was like, "It's always great. This one, you'll, you'll all love it. You'll love it." And we went there, and it was empty. On the middle of a Saturday in Manchester, I should have seen the warning signs and thought, why is this cafe empty? But we pursued, because I just needed to deliver and live up to their expectations. We went to the counter. I'll have a filter coffee, please. We've got no filter coffee. Oh, I'll have a peppermint tea. We've got no peppermint tea. Sorry, have I brought my family to the one cafe in Manchester that has no tea and no coffee? Yes, I did. And I was like, guys, I'm so sorry I've brought you to the worst place ever. It's just going to be a disaster. It's going to be an absolute disaster. My whole family were like, Lois, it's absolutely fine. But inside, I was more annoyed than I needed to be because I hadn't lived up to the expectations I'd set. I was like, this place is the right place, let's go here, but I didn't deliver. Now, maybe your experience and example isn't as trivial as a cafe gone wrong in Manchester that serves no tea and no coffee. Like, what kind of cafe is that? But maybe you do know what it is to not have your expectations met from yourself and from others. Like, maybe for you, there is a gap between the expectations that you had for your marriage and the reality of what your marriage looks like. Or maybe you had expectations of what parenting would be like, and reality is so much harder. Maybe you had expectations of where your career would be right now, and your business, and your calling, and reality isn't looking the same. Maybe it comes down to health and fitness and lifestyle, and you just had a place that you wanted to be in your life in terms of your health, and you are not there in reality. Or maybe when it comes to finances, you grew up thinking, I want it to be this way, but really, it's nowhere near it. These unmet expectations and this gap between expectations and reality in this gap, we can find friction and frustration, and that friction and frustration can lead us to discouragement. So we have to learn to deal with our discouragement before our discouragement deals with us. In the last, like, six, six or seven months, I think I've faced more discouragement head-on than in my, the rest of my 29 years. Part of that has been because I've been in the house-buying process. Now, that buying process has been emotional, exhausting, entertaining sometimes, but genuinely just really disappointing. And I've had to come face to face with a gap between the expectations I had and the reality that I'm facing. But in that gap, what I found is that when I've not kind of Process that discouragement, it's tried to lead me down different paths. So sometimes I've really come face to face with comparison, where I've been looking at the gorgeous homes my friends have got and have worked really hard for, and I've been like, That's not my reality and that's led me to feeling insecure and then the insecurity has led me to feeling bitter and then the bitterness has led me to feeling like hard-hearted and then the hard-heartedness has led me to feeling frustrated and then I've been angry with God because back here I didn't deal with my discouragement because if we don't deal with our discouragement, our discouragement will deal with us. My discouragement, if I'm honest, can lead me to insecurity to taking rejection to heart, to bitterness, to falling out with people. But the good news is, if you are feeling discouraged, or if you have experienced disappointment, or if you know what it is to feel disheartened, the Bible has an invitation for you to deal with it. It comes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. That's in the New Testament of the Bible, and it's so simple, it says, give all your worries and all your cares to God because he cares about you. Give all of your worries and all of your cares to God because he cares about you. Do you know what that is an invitation to do? It's an invitation to be honest. It is okay to tell God you are disappointed with how your life looks. It's okay to tell God you are fed up of how a situation is. It's okay to tell God You want something else. You want more. Because if you aren't honest and vulnerable and real with the friction that you feel in the gap between your expectations and reality, discouragement will deal with you. But instead, you are invited to bring your discouragement to God. And so often, I think what we can do is we can take our disappointment and our discouragement and our frustration, and we can take it to other people. And we can be like, oh, this is how I feel. I'm so annoyed. That's what I do when I'm annoyed anyway. Oh, we can not take it to other people. We can take it to ourselves and we can go, Lois, I'm so annoyed at you. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you save more money? Why didn't you get better grades? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you death? do that? And you know what this is? This is an invitation to bring it to the one who can actually do something about it. Because do you know what God might do? God might change your situation. Because he can. Because he's God. He also might not. But what he will do when you bring your discouragement to him, even if he doesn't change your situation, he will change your heart. So we are in a win-win situation if we bring our discouragement to God. Either he'll change our situation or he'll change our heart. But either way, it's a win-win because we are invited to give it to God, to take the weight of the discouragement and disappointment we are feeling off of our own shoulders and lay it at the feet of the one who can do something about it. So my encouragement to you is, sooner rather than later, like before you go to sleep tonight, would you consider being real with God? Being real with what you're discouraged about? Being real with where there is a gap between your expectations and your reality and giving them to God? Because like that verse says, he cares about you. That means he wants to hear it. He wants you to be honest. He doesn't want a Um, polished version of you. He wants a real version of you where you go, God, I'm really struggling because he can do something with that. He can get into your heart when you let him in. So, discouragement can be caused by unmet expectations, but can I encourage you to take them to God? And the second thing is, unkind experiences are often the cause of discouragement. I... I'm sure we all know that people are people and people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And good people break people, that's the phrase, isn't it? We are people, which means we get things wrong sometimes. Sometimes we say things that hurt. There's a verse in Proverbs that puts it way better than I ever can because it says, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says that the tongue can bring death or life. And I'm sure that you've probably been on the receiving end of both kinds of words. You've probably been on the receiving end of words that build you up and give you life and make you feel like 10 feet tall. But you've probably also been on the receiving end of words that crush your soul, that make you want to go, that hurt. Because words can do that to us and people can do that to us. There's a story that I read in my devotional time recently by a, a guy called Don Mondell. It's a fictional story, but with a powerful truth. He says that there's, um, there was this yard sale in America. Is that what they say in Canada, Tom? A Yard sale? Is that like a car boot? Yeah, okay. There was a car boot sale, um, and people were looking around. And the devil was holding this car boot sale. And so people were looking around at what they could buy. And like on the shelf, there was like jealousy, and there was greed. And there was lust, and there was like, lying, and things like that. And then this one customer took a stroll into the back of the garage, and he found this one thing on a shelf. And he was like, how much for this, devil? And the devil was like, no, 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 no. You're not having that one. That is my prize tool. With that tool, I can pry open any heart. And guess what that tool was? Discouragement, because the enemy knows that if he can throw daggers of discouragement your way, he can pry open your heart and he can do anything with it. And words are a great example of how the enemy can throw daggers of discouragement in our direction. It says in the Bible in John chapter 10 verse 10 that the thief, which is just another word for the enemy or the devil, you might have heard him be called Satan, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to steal your joy. He comes to kill your peace. And he comes to destroy your faith. And he'll do that by discouraging you. And often he can do that through words, through daggers of discouragement. I think I know if I look at like my life and things that I've witnessed and gone through, I can see that the enemy has used words, discouraging words, to cause daggers which, to throw daggers which have caused division. They've caused fallout. They've disrupted unity. I can see how the enemy has thrown daggers of discouragement to destroy relationships. I can see how the enemy has thrown daggers of discouragement to remove people from church. I can see how the enemy has thrown daggers of discouragement to increase anxiety, to crush self-esteem, to harden hearts so that we lose compassion. I can see how the enemy has thrown daggers of discouragement to shake our faith because he comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And he'll do it with words because words are what most of us have got. But we have a tool. Just like the enemy has the tool of discouragement that he can fire with daggers of words. Do you know what we've got? We've got a shield, and this shield is encouragement. And it sounds like contrite to say that the best defense against discouragement is encouragement, but the clue's in the title. And sometimes what God does, he realizes we're not all that clever. So he puts half of the word into the word, so we get the hint that the best defense that you could have against discouragement is encouragement, and encouragement is like a shield against your soul. And encouragement is like a shield against the discouragement that the enemy wants you to feel. So what we need to do is lift up encouragement, as a shield to ourselves, as a shield to one another, because as we become encouragers, what that does is it suffocates the power out of discouragement, as we choose to shield ourselves with encouragement. Encouragement acts as a shield, as a protection. So when the enemy throws daggers at us, we are prepared, and we are protected, and we are guarded from every side Encouragement protects us from discouragement. Encouragement protects us from division from one another. Encouragement protects us from bitterness. When it feels like things are coming at us from all directions and we lift up encouragement, it protects us from all sides. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says this: it says, Gentle words cause life and health, but griping brings discouragement. Gentle words, bringing life and health, is like choosing encouragement. It's like bringing strength. It's like bringing protection as we choose to be an encourager. But being an encourager isn't just about flattery. I don't know about you, but I, like, isn't the worst thing ever, taking a compliment? You know when someone says, like, oh, I like your shoes, I just respond with the shop I bought them from. Does anyone else do that? I like your shoes. Thank you, ASOS. I like your hair, thanks, my hairdresser's called Rachel. I like your bag, Mm, Matalon. I haven't talked to Matalan in a while. Um, I don't know why, but isn't it just this thing in us that we don't know how to take compliments? Well, I don't know anyway. And encouragement is really different to compliments because flattery and compliments, they puff us up. They make us go, oh, yeah, thanks. Encouragement builds us up. It builds us up so on days when there is no one else around us and the enemy is trying to discourage us, we have been built up from the inner workings of our soul where people have spoken life into us, where we speak positively about ourselves because flattery puffs up and it doesn't last very long, but encouragement builds up and lasts a lifetime. The Bible says it loads better and instructs us to do this in Ephesians 4.29. It says, let everything you say be good and be helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Being an encourager means lifting up a shield to people you might never even met because being an encourager is about speaking up for the oppressed. Being an encourager is about speaking up for people who don't have a voice. Being an encourager is about defending people, because you can hear people talking bad about someone, and you're like, that's not okay. Because like Tom sang in that song, that is a child of God, that is known by God, chosen and loved. So when you hear someone being spoken bad about, being an encourager is about saying, no, just let me remind you, they're a person. Can I stop you right there? They're a person with feelings. Being an encourager is about speaking well about yourself, because how Much do we know that it's not easy to do that sometimes. Being an encourager is about when someone is surrounding you with gossip and bringing somebody else down. It's about removing yourself from that situation. Being an encourager is building someone up with kindness. Being an encourager is expressing gratitude. It's saying thank you for the way you do that. Thank you for being that person. Thank you for what you do. It's about recognizing And appreciating and respecting, being an encourager is about all of these things. Being an encourager is about when someone is in your life and maybe says something or does something you don't agree with, it's about responding with kindness and compassion and grace. Being an encourager will sometimes be about thinking before you speak and thinking to yourself, "Will what I'm about to say, build this person up. Will what I'm about to say be good and be helpful to them? Encouragement suffocates discouragement of its power. We get discouraged when people are unkind to us. And if we want to stop that trend, we've got to each learn to be an encourager, to protect ourselves like a shield with encouragement. Let's not be flatterers that puff people up. Let's be encouragers that build people up, that speak good of people behind their backs, to their face, near them, around them, about them, wherever you are, because encouragement builds people up. Tom and the band, do you want to come and tinkle the ivories or whatever you do? (laughs) Discouragement would love to rob you of peace, and joy. Discouragement would love to rumble your faith because that's the way the enemy works. And it's probably really normal to feel discouragement if your expectations for what you wanted for your life aren't matching up with your reality. Let me encourage you to bring that to God, to be honest, to be real, and to say to him, God, will you change this? And even if you won't change it, because faith is all about even if. I believe he can do it, but even if he doesn't, would you change my heart? Would you change the way I see things? And in the meantime, whilst we learn to deal with our discouragement, I pray that we would be encouragers, that we would build each other up, that we would spur each other on. Amen. Do you want to stand? We're going to sing our final song.